you have a really good preacher. Did y'all have y'all noticed that? He came over to the Philippines and I mean had our people shouting amen, hallelujah. And they're not used to that because I don't preach like Brother Stewart. And so since I don't preach all that exciting and jumping and, hot, and so you react to it, he's gonna he's gonna point out signs for you, okay? All right. Um, all right, well, I appreciate being with you uh, this evening, and I appreciate this church. And, uh, yeah, Pastor uh, Jeff mentioned uh, some projects. We're, uh, right now, my daughter has started a, a, a ministry of uh, feeding children. We, we feed about 300 children every Saturday. We've been doing that for years. You saw it on the video. We go out and uh, our children in our children's home, they get up on Saturday morning and they, uh, they divide up in teams and then they cook. They all cook their, the meals. They're going to take it out to the different feeding centers and then they'll have their violin, their guitar, and they'll go out there and minister to the children in slum areas and landfills and places that they minister uh, to up to 300. But now... Uh, we have found there's another ministry that ships uh, nutritious meal packages over to the Philippines uh, in containers. We've connected with them. My daughter's contacted them. And they're going to give us enough of these uh, meals to feed uh, 300 children every day. And so they're going to be doing that. And uh, we're praying about that. And we suspect we have a youth camp every year. Uh, with uh, children that we have, but I suspect with, when we start feeding 300 children every day, we'll get a lot more children to our youth camp when we start having it. And so we're up on a hill, and our property borders on a river. It makes an L shape down the river, uh, uh, our property. And we would like to be able to get down there to the river and develop it into a youth camp and build some uh, facilities there and things. But we need a road. But we've got some heavy equipment, uh, uh, a backhoe and a bobcat that we bought out of auction. And we got some boys now in the children's home that's operating it. And so we're going to start trying to build a road down there. And it's going to take some doing. And, th and they're going to be learning how to do this as they go. And so uh, pray about that. And then, uh, of course, we'll uh, need to build maybe some retaining walls and some culverts and to get down there. And then also to be able to buy all the gas and diesel and, uh, diesel and stuff for the operate the machine. And so uh, uh, that's a project we're looking at, build a youth camp. And then, of course, when we get down there, we have to build certain facilities and things. Uh, one of the things I'd like to do is we have on the other side of the river, it goes straight up a mountain, real big mountain, and we purchased from somebody that had put a line, uh, a pipe, a hose from an a artesian well up there. And there's bringing water down where our youth camp is, uh, is, but I like to put a bigger pipe running across and then see if we could bring it up as high as we can on our side of the river and build a tank so we have water for the youth camp and maybe even we could do away with our water district if we could get enough water from there. Uh, but pray for these projects. But let's go to, uh, open our Bibles to Psalms 142 and verse 4. Psalms 142, and verse 4. I'm going to read one verse here. Follow along with me as I read. Psalms 142, verse 4. says, I looked at my right hand and beheld, 
and there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. No man cared for my soul. You know, I, I, I thought about it that there are different groups of people that we could think of that may be crying out and feel that nobody cares for them. Nobody cares for my soul. And I thought of three of them that I would put together in a message, make a three-point message. But we probably could think of other groups. But uh, these three I want to look at tonight. And uh, let's go, Lord, in a word of prayer, and you pray with me for me. I need your prayers tonight. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for thy love. We thank you for Jesus Christ that died on the old rugged cross for our sins. We thank you for our churches. We thank you for our pastors. We thank you for our Bibles. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that, this, that your presence is always here, never to leave us nor forsake us. And God, we pray that, Lord, tonight you'll be among us, moving and stirring in hearts, convicting, and, Lord, just having your sweet way in our lives. And, God, I pray that you'll help me as the preacher for this hour to bring the message in the power of the Holy Spirit. Give me the very words you would have me to say. And, God, I pray that you'll just bless. Now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, I would, of course, the obvious person that you would think of is the lost soul is crying out that no man careth for my soul. And I think probably more so than any other time. I believe that we're living in the last days. And you know, uh, as you go through and look at church history, you'll see there have been great revivals and been great preachers and, and, and stories of uh, uh, multitudes of souls being saved. But you know, if we stop and think, uh, uh, if we try to list today the great preacher that's doing great things, it'll be hard to think of one. It'll be hard to think of great revivals going on today. And I, I believe that we're living in the end times. <clears throat> and I believe that in Revelation, the description of the Laodicean church is that description of that last age, that last time. The lukewarm, where the church is materialistic and worldly. And there are two things that we see about the church that would indicate the unconcern for souls today in most of our churches. The first thing I notice is the Church philosophy has changed. Before, we had this idea that we come to church to worship a holy God, amen? And we come to worship God. Uh, today, and of course, worshiping God, uh, as we worship, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're enabled to have a burden for souls. We have the, the power of God upon our lives that we can even reach the lost soul. But we've lost that power in our churches because today the philosophy is not to worship a holy God, but to be entertained. And so, so many churches has went to entertaining instead of worshiping. It's no longer do we search and we look to see what would please God. How would God have our churches to be? How would he have us to practice our religion? It's, you know, the fellow that wrote a best-selling book, uh, a preacher, I think, is in Texas. What he did, he went out and did a survey in his community among the lost people. He wanted to find out what the unchurched would like to have in churches that would cause them to come to church. And as he did his survey, he put together this uh, a, a book, and it became people read it all around. But the the gust of the book was that uh, that what music they like and what kind of. Uh, atmosphere they wanted 
and how they wanted to be able to dress and, and, and be able. And so he began to practice this, and he wrote a book, and churches all over America begin to practice uh, the idea. And then whenever you uh, pre- people come to church and the pastor goes visit them because they hadn't came back, and they'll say, well, what about our church? Don't you want to come to our church? And they'll say, well, you know, uh, I didn't like the music. Or they didn't have a, a program for my children. But it was always something that I didn't like. And as if they thought that church was made for, for me to like, that I come to get a blessing. I come to get something. I come to get some pleasure, some enjoyment. Uh, after I preach, I go to the door and shake hands. People come by and they'll say, Pastor, I, I enjoy that. I, I appreciate that. I enjoy that. And if they didn't enjoy it, they don't say that. But the idea was they, they thought that that's what the church was, was for, to be enjoying. But uh, it ought to be a place. You know, I, um, I have a message I, I preach, and I mentioned the, uh, on the, uh, about how the verse that says that, uh, that God has given uh, the churches uh, a pastor for the purpose of perfecting the saints, uh, but that's what the pastor does to do, preach and perfecting the saints, teaching and preaching. And that we, when we leave church, we ought to be on fire for God to go out and do something for God, to have a burden for souls, uh, not feel like we have to be entertained. And uh, as a missionary, and I only go to Baptist churches traveling, uh, independent Baptist churches, but I am shocked in some of the churches we went into. We went in a church in Texas here some years ago. My daughter was with me. And uh, when they started the service, they dimmed the lights, and then some color lights started flashing. And the song leader came up, and he says, let's get it on. And then the rock band just took off, blaring. And uh, it was just unbelievable because that's the idea of, of churches today to entertain. And then not only has church philosophy has changed over the years that we think of church as a place of entertainment, but then there is a different gospel that's being preached today in our churches. Uh, Before, uh, almost every sermon you heard, uh, they talked about repenting or being born again. Getting saved, amen. But I heard um, a soul winner lecture. I went to for a uh, two hours lecture, and the soul winner was to saying, when you uh, approach some sinner, don't ask him if he's saved. He won't know what you're talking about. Uh, just ask him this question. If you die tonight, are you 100% sure you'll go to heaven? Now, I believe that the best question is to ask if they're saved. Because if you ask them if they're saved, that implies that you need to be, that you're not saved or you are saved, amen? You need to be born again. And he said they, you don't ask them if they're saved because they won't know what you're talking about. I think the thing you could do is just explain to them what you're talking about, amen? Just explain to them what you mean about being saved. But you see, uh, salvation, the Bible says that Jesus came to save us from our sins. When the angels announced the birth of Christ, they said his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. When uh, Jesus spoke, he said, don't think I've come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners 
to repentance. Salvation is sinners being saved from their sins, being born again, becoming a new creature. Uh, where old things pass away, all things become new. When we ask people, are you 100% sure if you're going to go to heaven? And we do it this way. You don't want to go to hell, do you? You want to go to heaven. Well, just repeat this prayer after me and you get to go to heaven. Now, of course, all of us wants to go to heaven, amen? And none of us wants to go to hell. But not everybody wants to be saved from their sins. There are some people that still want to drink and uh, crowd and fornicate. And all they want to do is go to heaven. And so we have in our churches today, we have people repeating prayers after us that with all their heart, they do not want to go to hell. With all their heart, they want to go to heaven. But there is no desire to be saved from sins. But it is Jesus Christ came to save from sins. And we need to get back to, you know, when you read the Bible, you notice the first message that Jesus, John the Baptist preaches is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then a little later on, you'll read Jesus. The first message he preaches is the same thing. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Paul preaches repentance and Peter preaches repentance. Paul says, I was not disobedient to my calling that I preach that all men should repent. And so uh, today there's been books that's been written against repentance. There's been Bible schools that teaches against repentance. There's Baptist preachers uh, that teaches us against it. And it's amazing what's happening uh, out there that we are a philosophy of entertainment and a different gospel. Because the, the main purpose, they say, of the church is to reach the unchurch. No longer is the main purpose to see souls get saved, but to reach the unchurch. And if you're going to reach the unchurch, the multitude of them, and be able to be mega churches, you need entertainment, and you need not to talk about their sins or having to repent. But you know, though it may appear that so many churches are not concerned about the lost soul, there is one that is concerned, amen. Jesus Christ cares. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus cares. He cares about our souls. He cares about you and I. And because Jesus cares, and when Jesus Christ comes into our lives, then we as Christians are to care also. Amen? Galatians 2, 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live with the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says that, that the life that he lives, Paul went about sacrificing, uh, uh, suffering, and being persecuted, but he went about giving everything up in order to reach the lost. I become all things to all men that I might win some. And Paul's desire was to see souls saved. But then Paul says, but this life that I live, it's not I, 
but it's Christ that lives within me, that love me. And so it is that we will have a burden and a love for souls and a care for soul if we have Christ living in us, the one that cared so much for souls. John 1.40, we notice that when Andrew gets saved, it says one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first finds his own brother Simon and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Notice the first thing that Andrew did when he got saved. He went and got his brother, Simon Peter. Then we read a little bit later on that Philip gets saved. And the Bible says that Philip immediately went and got Nathanael and brought him to Jesus. John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman comes to Jacob's well carrying water pots to get water. There at the well she meets Jesus and she gets saved. And the Bible says she left her water pots, went down to the city, and began to tell men about Jesus. Said, come and see a man that told me all that I ever did. And she brought them to Jesus. And over and over we see when people experience this salvation, when Christ comes into their lives, they have a burden for souls. They care. Jesus cares for souls. Christians cares for souls. But the th second group I thought of that may be crying out, tonight that no man cares for my soul, are Christians. You know that Christians are hurting today? I, over the years, I have known over four or at least four Christians that I know were Christian, fellowship with them, that have committed suicide, that they were hurting. Uh, and you think that, that these Christians that ends up killing themselves, they, it's not they just was going, not going through their problems and their trouble without being aware. People saw it. People knew about it. They could see that they, the problems they were going through and the hurt and the suffering and the things that was happening in their life. But we were all so busy. You know, I, I thought about when I was uh, growing up and uh, go to an old country church. Do you know that when somebody didn't show up to church, we just assumed that they were sick. And some of the ladies would fix a meal, and they would go over to the house to bring food. They'd bring their cleaning equipment. They'd come over and clean the house because they figured that the, the, the people were sick and they needed some help. Today, if somebody don't show up, you know, we don't think much of it. Uh, and of course, today, if we did do, practice that and showed up to our house, we might embarrass them now, too. But, uh, you know, we, we as Christians ought to learn to love one another. We ought to know what's happening in the lives of others. We live in a cursed world. We have a, a world that has problems and heartaches and troubles and misery, and Christians are experiencing it also. And they go through trials and testing. But it seems today that we're so busy in our churches. We come for entertainment, and that's what we think of, being entertained. I, uh, I didn't get nothing out of the service. But we ought to come not only to worship God, but we ought to come to be a blessing to others and to be concerned about others. Uh, you know, though we may live in a time that Christians may feel that no man cares for their soul, there is one that cares. Jesus Christ cares. In Mark 10, verse 13, Jesus said, uh, or it says here, and they brought young children to him. Well, let me uh, go back to the, where I'm supposed to be in my outline, all right? Hebrews 12, 13, 5 
said, let your conversation be without covenants and be content with such thing as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so Jesus Christ cares. Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so we see that, that we can depend on God always to care. God cares for us. But not only does God care for Christians, but it ought to be that Christian cares for Christians. Amen? Our hearts ought to go out to those that are hurting and suffering. You know, I'm concerned about the fussing and fighting that's going on in churches today. It's just unreal. You know, I, I get, uh, you know, I, I went through my records of ch supporting churches. We went to the mission field in 1984. And so I have a, a list of churches way back that used to support us. And I went through the list and I've seen this church don't exist today. They had a split. They fought, they folded. And then I see another church, another church. church. Unbelievable number of churches that once existed but doesn't exist today because of the fussing and fighting that went on. I, I come to a church and uh, speak, and then three years later, I come back to the same church. They've already had two pastors since I've been gone. And, and just uh, unbelievable, the, the, the fighting that goes. That ought not be, you know, other organizations... Maybe they could have some fighting and splits in different companies, but not in the church. Of all the organizations, the church ought to be the one that loves one another, cares for each other. And they shouldn't be this split. You know, I, I had read where this fellow had gotten uh, shipwrecked and was on an island. And he'd been out there for several years by himself. And a rescue boat came by to save him. And when they came ashore, they saw he had built three buildings. And they asked him about the three buildings. What, what are these buildings? He said, well, the first one here, this is my home, my house. The second one is where I go to church. And they said, well, what's the third one? He said, that's where I used to go to church. You know, of course, he was a Baptist. And that seems the, uh, the, the, the characteristic of today. Today, of the fussing and fighting that's going on in churches. But it ought not to be. We ought to love. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. And so Jesus tells us that we ought to love as he loved us. John 15, 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17, These things I command you, that you love one another. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Everyone that's born again, they ought to be loving one another. First John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. First John 4, 12, No man has seen God at any time. And if we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. The idea here that no man has seen God in any time, but the idea that we can see God in Christians. Amen? If we love, we can see God's love. And we ought to be demonstrating that love of God in our lives as Christians. John 13, 35 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. You know, 
there's a lot of things that we are different and uh, we portray and, and uh, we do, but only one thing that really points out that we are a disciple above everything else, that is if our love, our love for one another, the world, can, you know, they can, you know, a, a worldly man uh, could not drink. Did you know that? Uh, a worldly man, a fellow that doesn't even know what Second Corinthians is, could not drink. Amen. But uh, but a, only a Christian can love, in the real sense of the word. And so uh, we're to love, and this is how we will demonstrate. And so there are the lost man that feels that nobody cares for his soul in this time that we live in. But I. But my prayer is that we will get a burden for that lost soul. We will care, amen. Christians are feeling like no one cares for them. My heart desires tonight that we'll make a decision. I'm going to care. I'm going to know about my brothers and sisters, what's happening in their lives. I'm going to love and I'm going to care. And then the third group that is crying out that no man's care for my soul is little children. Today, it's, to me, it appears if there is a santonic attack on children today. It is unbelievable what's happened to children around the world. The, the pedophiles and the, uh, the tra uh, sex trafficking, uh, the, the parents, ungodly parents that are abusing their children. The night before we flew out to come to the States, that night the uh, city social worker brought us a child, three-year-old child, that had been molested by her father. And the father and mother both had been arrested and put in jail. They brought the child to us. And that is the case with a lot of our children are, are being sexually abused and molested. And uh, you saw the, the video of the little girl on the video that had the plastic bag around her face breathing. That's her sniffing glue. Uh, and that's right on the streets, right there in public. People walking up and down the street. Nobody seemed to care that this girl is uh, having to kill her hunger pain by sniffing glue or uh, ease the hurt that she felt by being sexually abused. And uh, we re hear stories uh, in America, things that are happening with young people and teenagers. And, you know, and I, and I hear that uh, children going into their school and killing other children. Have you heard that? A child go in and shoot the classmates and stuff? And you think, what's happening with these kids? What's going on? It is as if there is a demonic attack on children today. And I believe it is because Jesus loves the children. He loves them in a very special way. And the, what God loves is the devil hates in proportion as God loves. And I believe the devil is, uh, has a great hatred towards children. He's attacking them. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, verse 13, says here, They brought young children to him, that he should touch them. And disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. You see that Jesus cared about the children. He loved the children. He took the children up in his arms. Psalms 27, 10 says, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Jesus loves the children. But you notice in Mark chapter 10 when he says that they, uh, his disciples forbid the children coming to him. These were Baptist preachers, amen? Uh, uh, they preached the same thing that we preached, so we could call them Baptists. 
They didn't have a different doctrine than we have. So, but they was trying to keep the children from coming to church. And you know, uh, I I've had several churches that has dropped our support the more we emphasize in reaching the children. I had they write me and they say, Brother Fulford, you're getting sidetracked. We sent you over to plant churches to evangelize, not to feed and clothe children. And you know, uh, I, I thought about it. How is it that they expect, you know, I, I get a box of tracks that they send over to me, and I'll pass the tracks out on the street, and I see these little children laying on the streets, the glue that's dried up in their face and their hair where they've been sniffing glue, dirty, and I just step over them and just passing out tracks. I, I don't see how you can do that. Uh, I believe that if you love people, love souls, you want to win souls, you're going to love children also. Amen? And you know, uh, James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled for God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Pure religion is to visit the fathers and widows. Because when Jesus Christ was here, walking among us, he took the children up in his arms. He loved them. He cared for them. But Jesus is not here in the physical sense that he once was, taking the children up in his arm. But he is here. He is in, a, in a, that body, Christians. And if Jesus is going to take the children up in his arms and love them, care, he has to do it by that, with that body. That's why he's told us that pure religion is doing what he did. Pure religion, undefiled for God and the Father is this. Visit the fathers and widows. And uh, they should not be all of this terrible stuff happening with children today with the church that was really on fire for God and really having an effect on their community and their area. Uh, you know, like I said, I think we could think of many other groups that we might could come up with that feeling that no man careth for my soul. But I believe that these three... That the lost man, and, and my heart's desire is maybe God will take something nice. I didn't say as as eloquent as Brother Jeff does, but I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will take it and use it to put a burden on our hearts for souls. Souls are crying out that no man cares for my soul. But when Christ comes into our life, we are to care. And then Christians, and I tell you, I see it. Christians are hurting today. There's those that we may not know about we ought to take the effort and find out what's going on in the lives of brothers and sisters and love people and care. And there should never be any fighting among ourselves. We're to die to self. We're to prefer others before ourselves. We're to love. And so there shouldn't be that. There ought to be nothing but love. And we ought to identify ourselves by the love that we have for one another. And then we ought to have a great concern for children, a burden for children our hearts to go out to those that are hurting and suffering. Let us pray.